Welcome to Conversations with KP, the podcast. This is your host, KP, and I'll be pointing you to God through conversations and creativity. Let's go. Welcome to Conversations with KP, the podcast, episode three. Got a very special guest in here with me, one of my oldest friends. Um, he's a former D1 basketball player at Campbell University. He's a young adult pastor at Word of God, also a speaking pastor at Word of God, Fellowship Christian Church, and he's an IT, IT professional at Fidelity. Welcome my guest, Joshua Crumpler, to God. the conversation, man. Appreciate Glad you. to have you on, Thanks man. Thanks for having me, man. Um, I've known Josh since damn, elementary school, man. Um well, that's when I remember meeting you. <laughs> so I've known Josh since I, I remember meeting you in first grade. Okay. I have a, a fond memory of meeting you in first grade. We were in Miss Royals class. Yep. And then from there, you know, growing up, same church, same school, and uh, reconnecting after college. Playing ball together. Yeah, we play yeah, basketball together, play JV basketball together. So, yep. Um, well, Josh, first question I'd like to ask all my guests is when did your relationship with God begin? Man, it was, um, growing up in a Christian household, it was always kind of a thing that I was taught growing up. So I would say, I, I can't remember a time where I wasn't uh, involved with my relationship with, with God, just because I was taught that, um, and this is something that was instilled by my parents uh, to me in a household. Um, so I do remember, like, initially getting saved in, like, first grade and getting baptized when I was 10. Uh, but I began to take it more seriously um, as I got older. Just because of different things that had transpired in my life that kind of had pushed me um, to taking it more seriously, probably around college age when I was a freshman in college. So uh, I would say I rededicated my life back, but I definitely started taking it a step further and being more serious about it. Yeah, I mean, you have that similar experience of growing up in a Christian home and growing up at a church, having, you know, not strict parents, but parents who are yeah. like, hey, these are the rules, this is what I got to do. One thing about Josh, um, for y'all listening, Josh is a passionate fan of basketball. Um, and just talk about your love for the game of basketball. Man, um, growing up, my dad, so it's weird. So, like, most dads, they watch football. My yeah. dad didn't watch football. My mom watches football. So, my dad will always have basketball on in the house. He's probably more of a basketball head than I am, even now. So, with him having that on, I kind of just gravitated toward the sport, like, from a young age. So four or five years old, I was a big fan of uh, the Lakers in that era with Kobe and Shaq. That was, you know, that was like everything to me. Uh, to this day, Kobe Bryant's still my, my favorite player, so that's where, like, my love for the game started. Then I started playing, like, competitively, probably around seven years old. Yeah. My parents put me into a league, and, you know, it's something I always knew I wanted to do, and it just took off from there. Yeah. One of the things that always amazed me about you was um, when we were kids, you weren't the most athletic um, or the most... Well, I don't know. You may have been the most skilled, but you always had a great work ethic. Um, and where did that work ethic come from? Not just with basketball, because even in school and our academics, you're always one of the top in our class. So where did that work ethic come from? That's a good question, man. Um, I think sometimes I always instilled a side of me that I wanted to be like the best at whatever I was doing. Yeah. And like I said, with basketball, like I, didn't, I didn't have the natural athleticism that most kids had, so I had to find a way to kind of like be competitive on the court, so that meant me spending extra hours um, while other kids were playing video games or what have you. Um, the same thing with the classroom, too. I always thought I could 
fairly catch on to things fairly easy. But um, my parents, like my dad's a hard worker, and like seeing them kind of uh, work hard for everything, so I knew I couldn't be lazy. So whatever I did, I made sure I you know put my all into it. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, this is segueing into you know you were a state champion in high school. You're part of state champion basketball team. You got to play with a lot of great players and uh, kind of finding your way into the rotation. Talk about that when it comes to work ethic. And it was tough, man, because like I said, not only was I not like naturally athletic, I was short, you know, I'm talking about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, um, so I definitely had to rely on my skill set. Yeah. Um, practicing against those guys every day made me a lot better. Um, I always feel like, man, I could have been so much better had I had uh, some like the height or the athleticism that they had, but um, I basically just had to rely on my skill set. And it was, it was a fun experience playing that. So I played at, at Word of God uh, Christian Academy. So I went to that church, to the academy there. And, like, you know, this was during the time um, John Wall was really big. He was in high school there. Uh, I was We were in middle school when he was in yep. high school. So um, we had an opportunity to see, like, what highest level basketball was like from an early age. I so I knew, I knew, like, where the bar was at. Uh, so when it was time for me to come into high school, we had a, a couple of Division One guys. I can't, I don't, I don't know the count, I need to count, but I think our senior year team had maybe ten Division One guys. That's that's insane. Uh, we weren't all seniors. There were there were a couple of Division One guys that were like freshmen and sophomores on that team, but probably at least ten Division One players on that team, or ten players that had Division One offers, if not more. But that was, that made me better though. Like it, it, it definitely gave me a different view of the game and getting to see the speed of it, man. It's, it's faster, um, and I, I played with uh, one of the guards I played with. He was a high major point guard uh, that played in the ACC. So I definitely saw what it was like, and it was it was you know it was, it was fun to be around that. Yeah, and then from there you go to college, yeah. play at college. But the journey of playing at college, yeah. this is really where the conversation gets started <laughs> because I remember you telling me, but I remember you calling me after I think somewhere between freshman year you had called yeah. me. Um, and we're just kind of talking about your experiences. And um, this is like, this is gold right here. So I really want you to talk about the transition from going high school to college mm -hmm. and trying to be on a Division One basketball team. And what was your experience like with that? It was different because you go from being on the, you know, the best team in the state. And even then, I wasn't like, it was weird. Like in high school, I would go games where I wouldn't get in the game. And then some games I would play, you know, 20 minutes or play, play like, you know, almost start a minute almost on a team like that. So I felt like I was one of them. And then going from that to going to Division One college team where I had to walk on at Campbell University, tried out my first year. I mean, that, that first tryout was crazy. Um, I can remember they had like us go through skills yeah. in the beginning part of it. And then we went into um, scrimmaging. Yeah. And they were splitting the teams up and they wanted to make it even. And so they made sure they picked the first, the best guys, they put them on separate teams. And I wasn't one of the two. It was uh, another one guy named Lance, my boy. He ended up making a team, and another guy named Ryan, I think. And they thought they were like the best two guys. And then they picked me like second to go on one of their teams. They wanted to see Lance and Ryan go at it, and I was like, "Oh, this ain't good." And so when the scrimmage start, uh, whose team? I was on Ryan's team. And I just started cooking. We end up, I believe, we won all the games. I'm scoring like all the points, whole trial. Yeah. Um, Lance did good too. They eventually uh, go with a kid named Lance, go with him over me. Um, but I definitely outplayed what they had expected because, like you said, 
doing the like the full court drills because I'm not as athletic. I can't my game can't show. Yeah. But if you throw the ball out there and say let's play, it was a totally different, totally different game. So I remember like going crazy. So I thought for sure that they gotta pick me. Uh, their biggest thing was I was out of shape. So I was five eight, probably one eighty five at the at times. So I was a little out of shape. And the other kid that they did pick, he was in better shape than I was. I don't think he was more skilled than I was, but he was definitely a better athlete. He went on to you know do pretty good. But that um, that was a, like a slap in the face or like having a ton of bricks fall down on you because like yeah. basketball had always been a part of my my life. And this is where like uh, my relationship with Christ started to to really build because you know you got to find yourself because you're used to being on the top basketball team and you're in college yeah you're at a, a a white private school you know as opposed to high school was a black private school so it's like two extremes so I'm, I'm dealing with culture shock I'm dealing with not being not playing basketball anymore and then uh, they say we're not going to I remember I was in my math class college algebra I get a call walk out of my college algebra class and they said, yeah, man, you um, actually missed the call. That's what it was. And I, they left a, a voice message. So I go out of my class. I, I had the coach's name saying in my phone. And I listened to the recording. He says, you know, you didn't quite make the team this year. However, we would love for you to come on as a team manager. Yeah. I was like, man, this is rough. But I wanted to stay close enough to the game to where if something happened, I could easily, they could easily slide me a roster spot. Yeah. So um, this is where I was first taught, like, really humbling yourself, uh, really a season of serving, a season of, like, not being treated like you're used to being treated or not being treated how you would like to be treated. Like, it was it was some dog days. Like, as you go from, you know, one mindset to being, you know, like I said, you're in a culture shock because you're in a different school, uh, I mean, a different environment, everything. And I had to learn how to, you know, you washing players' jerseys after practice, doing menial jobs, filling up the water bottles, uh, just cliche stuff that a team manager would do. Yeah, man. And uh, even getting into it with some of the guys that's on the team. Because, you know, if you're a manager, they may talk to you some kind of way, especially the older guys. Um, I know I'm not trying to bad mouth anybody. They were, you know, they was my, that's my guys at the end of the day. But you know how guys get. Um, dealing with that and knowing, like, man, I want to be out there. Um, and so that really uh, is what took my relationship with Christ to the next level. Like, a lot of things that I preach now, season yeah that's good man that's good and this goes into my next question because you didn't get cut once man you got cut so this is the crazy thing twice. so after i got cut my first year i was like i'm done with basketball because even in high school my senior year it was really rough the coach was really tough he was riding me the whole year i stuck it out and then to go to college and then get cut i was like man i'm done and so watch this i go at the tryout i was probably five eight five nine one 80 pounds with 85, so I stopped hooping. I stopped working out altogether. Like, I'm done with basketball. Uh, I remember that my freshman year, they say the freshman 15, I was about 200 pounds. Man. 5'8", 5'9". The scale, I remember one morning I weighed myself because I had to go to the doctor because I had strep throat, and I had eaten, like, none the previous day. It was early in the morning, and they weighed me at 196. So I know I'm probably, at that time, a walking 200. Walking 200 pounds, um, and I wouldn't play at all. So what what helped me get back into the game was the coaches were fairly young. So my my college coach at, at Campbell, Kevin McGinn, he was um, that was his first head coaching job. 
So he was relatively young, and his assistant coaches were like maybe three or four years removed from playing. Yeah. And so after practice, they would go and play pickup, like two on two, three on three, and they would need me to jump in. And so that kind of like got me back into it. And so I was getting kind of comfortable playing with them. They were ex-Division one players, and I'm keeping up, even though they're not still in their prime. You know, you can't tell the difference between me and them when you're watching us play. And I said, you know what? I got to get back in the gym to get in the shape. So that summer, what did I do that summer? I remember being in the gym all the time as far as, like, shooting. I would shoot a lot, and I would run a lot, and then I would work out with the point guard, one of the point guards that was already on the team. Yeah. We would work out, like, midnight. We'd go to the gym, especially, like, during the off season, and work out. And so I'm, in, I'm running every day. I'm doing all this stuff. So I probably go from 200 pounds to uh, – I want to say 165, 170. Man. In this, in that's between that summer going to my sophomore, so I'm losing 30 pounds. Yeah. Looking good, and I'm 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 hitting up the coach. Are we gonna have a trial this year? Because they don't always have a trial. Right. So are we gonna have a trial this year? Are we gonna have a trial this year? You know, we think we're gonna have one. We'll let you know. And they kept pushing the date back, and they we have a trial maybe a week before the first official practice happens, and. I go out and I kill it, uh, like really kill it this time. I've lost 30 pounds. I was a little more sharper. And I've been, I was a team manager, so I'm at all the practices, so I do all the drills. Yeah. So I'm killing it. And the trial's over, and they said, we're going to call you and let you know. They may let, it may be a week or two weeks before they let me know because they said we're still deciding. Yeah. Come to find out they didn't actually have an extra roster spot. The athletic director was like, we're not going with an extra roster spot because it's going to travel with the team. This is a lot of extra money to have. And the coach at the time, he was fairly new. He wasn't going to push the envelope on that. And so that was, that was now that was tough. That was where it was like it was a fork in the road for me to where like, okay, you're, you'll, you'll be a sophomore and you're not going to play this year. Um, and I remember the, the coaches bringing me in the room. It's like, um, they were, they were, they were kind of, they felt for me because they knew how hard I had worked. And it was like, you know, um, if we were going to pick somebody, it was going to be you. You'd be the best one out there. But uh, sad to say, it was Coach Clark. He's actually an assistant coach at Temple now. And he told me, he said, you know, we're not going to bring anybody on this year. And that tore me up. And I remember going to my room crying and called my dad and told him my dad was upset. And <laughs> they was really upset. So I remember after practice, it was a Tuesday. And every Tuesday it was my job to wash the, um, the jerseys. Yeah. And I remember being in the locker room. I was like, this is the defining moment. And I remember my mom telling me this, too. She was on the phone. Because I called my dad, and she got on the phone. She was like, Josh, this is the time where you're going to have to really push through. Because uh, she was telling me, you know, when it gets hard, that's when the enemy wants you to quit. Yeah, man. So I was in there, and I was uh, washing the, um, their clothes. I remember thinking to myself, I said, I'm literally not going to quit till I get this. And you got to think, this is November, and I got to work a whole nother year not being on the team. And that's what I do. So I take my workouts up another level. So I said, instead of just going in the gym and running, I'm going to get in the weight room. So I started lifting. And that really kind of, because I had lost so much weight, I was kind of like watered down almost. Like I didn't have, when I was moving out there, I wasn't the same. So I started to make sure I was lifting. And that kind of really would tra transform my body. Like I really started to look yeah. more like an athlete going into my junior year. And try out again around this time. And uh, how was the tryout? We did it in the practice gym this time. And this tryout was like the most people we've had for a tryout. So the first year, 
probably like 10, 15 kids. Uh, the second year was like eight people. <laughs> then this year was like 20 people out there. Man. Like it was a lot more people because the freshmen that was coming in, they were, uh, they was really, really wanting to build a team. A lot of them would play high school ball. A lot of them was local. And I was like, I got to bring it now. Uh, so and there was some sophomores there as well. And uh, go through drills. I do all right doing the drills. And then we play. They split the teams up. And it's like they put, like, the best players. I knew some of the players because yeah. in between I played intramurals with yeah. some of the guys uh, the, year, the previous year that was still there. So I knew a lot of the guys. They put, like, the best players all on one team. And I had, like, it was me and, like, that was it. And we won. We scrimmaged. This was more like a real game. It was like an up-and-down scrimmage. Before, it was just like a half-court scrimmage, yeah. like four-on-four. This was like an all-out roll the ball, five-on-five, tip-off, everything. And I do really well. Um, I'm in way better shape than anybody else that's out there. Because <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been training for Yeah, man. Um, and I, we ended up winning. My team ends up winning. Um, I can't remember what day this was on. I want to say this was on a Wednesday when the trial was on. So I'm like, all right, I killed it. Wake up Thursday morning, uh, waiting to hear back. And every Thursday, I would go to the gym and work out. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and hit it hard. Uh, I went and lifted. I went and ran. I was like, man, I'm glad that uh, that workout is over because I was a little tired. And they called me as I'm leaving the gym. And they said, um, can you come in for another tryout again? Now, imagine I just worked my butt off in the weight room that day. I was like, oh, man, I should have never have done that. Upper body lifting and everything. Yeah. And they called back three of us. And... It's me, my boy Nick Parker, and another guy. They called us three in, and they worked. They worked the dog snot out of us. Uh, we worked out for maybe like an hour and a half. Uh, scrimmaged a little bit at the end, and my foot was killing me, and I was just tired. That's a Thursday. I think it's a Thursday. Yes, yeah, Thursday. That Friday, I want to say, um, I got a paper due. Friday morning, I'm in the library, has some Chick-fil-A, and Coach Coach Curry calls me. He's the director of operations. He says, can you get here to the gym? How fast can you get here to the gym? We're talking about, Coach wants to talk to me. So I'm like, bro, I packed up everything. I <laughs> about Chick-fil-A, all that. And I skate to the gym. He's like, man, how'd you get here so fast? And he was really casual and stuff, so yeah. maybe I made the team. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Coach McGinn calls me in the office. I'm like nervous. I'm like, we're gonna bring you on this year. But when I heard those words, bruh, that's like one of the top ten, top probably top five best moments of my life at the time. Um, finally making something and finally, you know, get getting there after working so hard. Listen, I almost started clapping when he said he finally made it, like I haven't heard the story <laughs> before. But when I was thinking about your story, I seen of the um, I don't know, it's in Galatians where it says basically it says keep going. Mm-hmm. Don't give up, or in due season you will reap a harvest if you faint not. And man, like that, like getting cut twice and still, like your mom calling saying this is the defining moment, and you still yeah. putting in the work, man, and making a team. That's got to be so rewarding. And another thing I got from that was like being prepared. Right. In all, in in every situation, which you say you tried out, you always were prepared, and you would always perform because you cannot perform without preparation. That's so right. I mean, this is just. Great stuff, man. Like, talk about persevering, though, just for a little bit. Talk about 
persevering through that time and like the men, the mental so, toll it takes. The biggest thing I would tell you is what kept me was like really um, getting rooted in Christ and it would get rooted in like a lot of sermons became really big for me. So I would walk to class with my iPod and listen to, to sermons um, all the time. Uh, T.D. Jakes was a big influence. A lot of his stuff, a lot of his old sermons from the 90s, I would just listen to that all the time. Back then, I, at, at the time, I had no idea I would do anything with ministry. Right. I just thought it was just basketball. Looking back on it, I believe God used that as a tool for me to, to look back on as a microcosm for life. Because yep. I didn't end up being in the NBA or nothing like that. But I think those four years were kind of like an example of, of what life is like. Like everything doesn't go your way. And this just transitioning from, from that experience of persevering through that to now you're leading a ministry. Yeah. And talk about talk about when you heard the call of God on your life to step into step into ministry. So this kind of goes back into the basketball story. So fast forward after I make the team, I'm a walk on. Ended up breaking my foot like two months <laughs> into making the team. <laughs> Missing my junior season and then coming back. And then I was kind of not necessarily the same player as my senior year uh, rolled in. And it was tough, you know, learning the offense. You ain't press the offense. So that wasn't something. That's something that you need years and years to kind of develop and learn. So I didn't play the minutes that I would have liked, even though you know I was a walk-on, so there wasn't much expectation there. Uh, we end up, my senior year, we end up going to the conference championship. We was in the Big South conference championship game. We played against uh, Winthrop University. Now, we was a seven seed. They were a two seed, and uh, we weren't even expected to make it that far. We ended up beating Presbyterian. In the first round, which was expected, you know, we were kind of the same, similar team. We ended up beating them. I ended up actually scoring my only college points in that game. <laughs> <laughs> beating them on a Tuesday. That Wednesday, we leave for South Carolina. Uh, that Thursday was crazy. I saw we played UNC Asheville, number one team in the in your conference. Number one or number two seed? I can't remember. Uh, Winthrop and Asheville were number one and number two. I can't remember which one was one or two. I think they were. I think Asheville was two. Because yep. Winthrop was hosting it. So, um, we beat UNC Asheville. Now, imagine that last time we played, they beat us by 30. Wow. We never beat Asheville that whole season. They would always beat us. And uh, a player on my team, he scored 52 points. <laughs> this is like the craziest scoring I've ever seen. We win that game. That Friday, we played Liberty. We ended up beating them, which was somewhat of a shock. Uh, and then that Saturday, we get a break. And then that Sunday is the conference championship game against Winthrop, who was a tough team. Yeah. And I'm praying. I remember praying, like, this is it. We're going to get to the NCAA tournament. And we ended up losing the game. And we ended up getting, having to get back on the bus ride back. And I'm crying and because uh, I know it's over. And I didn't have the, the career I would have liked to have, even though I did make the team. And I felt such a strong unction that I was going to be, God was going to use me as a minister. Like, it was really strong. So strong that, and I didn't like it either because I was I'm going to play ball, and it was so strong on me that I began to quote, um, "I'm not going to be a pastor" because I figured you have what you say. So <laughs> if, if I say it enough times, I yeah. remember quoting, "I'm not going to be a pastor." I'm not going to be a pastor, so that I could just like cancel it out of my life because I did not want to walk into that. Um, and I was I was some I was younger back then. Um, I felt it then, so I ended up graduating college. Um, God ends up blessing me after a, a, about a year with actually a, 
relatively a good job uh, in IT in my field that I did go to school for. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I was always like, how can I get back transition back into basketball? Because I did have like a, a year or two of eligibility left, and the door was just not open. But however, like the stuff in my church, uh, where that fellowship church that I was going to, uh, I was getting favored there. So like I was I was going to church after I graduated college. I was going yeah. to church, and uh, they asked me, "Can you serve?" All they wanted me to do was, "Can you help?" the praise singers down from the stage off the steps when they come down. Just hold your hand out and go back to your seat. That's it. I said, yeah, fine, I can do that. Then they asked me to kind of be uh, be the mic guy. So uh, make sure the mic's got enough batteries in them, uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, fine, no problem. I'm like, I got to be here maybe an hour early, no problem. I'll be here, I'll do that. I'll pass the mics out, and I'll kind of be like the – I will run back from the sound man to the people, um, to the praise team. They can't hear something. I have to run. Yep. Instead of sound man that, so fine, I'll do that. And then um, they had a, they had just started a young adult ministry there. Because, you know, like back then churches had like single ministries. Yep. And like that was kind of like the end of that era. And it's like, instead of doing singles, let's do a young adult ministry. That way people who are married can still come. And we started having that. And I would go, I was like the youngest person there going. And I was like, well, we could, you know. On Saturdays, what if we just did like a mini Bible study? I was just throwing it out there. And it's like, yeah, if you can prepare something, we, we can do that. And it may have been five or six of us. And we had that twice, two Saturdays out of the month. Um, and then out of nowhere, uh, this is like a year, this is a year or two removed from college. Yeah. And I'm still not thinking about me being some kind of preacher. I'm just serving the ministry. And uh, one of the elders says, let's have a youth Sunday. And we want you to do a sermon. I'm like, me? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, fine. Now, the, the genius to this, or the crazy part about this was, God would always give me revelation. I would have a notebook. I would just write sermons down in. Yeah. But at the time, I thought it was just for me and my personal life. I was not trying to preach, do nothing, nothing like that. So I pulled on one of the sermons that I had wrote, and I had uh, went and preached for maybe 20 minutes. And I preached for 20 minutes, because it was only like a small segment they wanted me to do. And people loved it. And then I remember actually uh, having appendicitis that same day. As soon as, this, as soon as the service was over, I was beginning to have a pain in my stomach and uh, ended up to get rushed to the hospital to find out that uh, it was appendicitis. They was able to remove it safely without it, it rupturing or anything. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to be over-spiritual, but like a lot of the, the people in the church, when they heard about find out about it, even my mom was like, this is probably a sign because like you're actually walking to your call. Yeah. That's when an attack happens. And they're saying, like, I was trying, I mean, the enemy was trying to prevent me or scare me off from doing that. Yeah. I didn't think much of it at the time. I was like, maybe whatever. That summer, this is 2019. So I graduated 2017. It's 2019. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Mitch Summerfield, he asked me to prepare a Wednesday night message. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And I preached that Wednesday. And he said, can you do this Sunday, too? <laughs> This is kind of like unheard of. I just realized he has. I was preach. there for that Wednesday night yeah. service too. He asked me to preach two sermons, and I had never really preached a full sermon before ever in a yeah. church setting, and back to back. And I preached both of them, and I was shocked at their response that I got from people because you never know, like you know, how people will really receive you. Which you never understand the power of your gift until you've actually given it. Right. Wow, that's people. good. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, and people began to tell me sometimes. So I was like, maybe this is what God called. And so I began to walk in that, and then 
the young adult ministry just began to transform. Um, and it's still not, you know, to the place that I know God wants to have it at, but um, it, it has grown a lot. Um, at the time when we first started, I don't even think we called it evidence. Then. Yeah. We didn't have a name for it, um, but we, we named it evidence. And, um, you know, God just began to bless it from there. And my pastor just began to call on me to preach. It's kind of like a thing you stumble into. Yeah. Um, so I, I skipped over a part before I actually started preaching. I remember I was the mic guy and I was helping women down. And then um, I kind of stumbled into being like the armor bearer. Like I wasn't like, it was like he said, I need an armor bearer. It wasn't like I said, I'll, I'll be your armor bearer. The guy that he, the people that he did have around him, the security or armor bearers, uh, one Sunday the guy had to leave. And so he gave me Pastor Mitch's towel and his water that they put on the yeah. So can you put this up there for me? I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I put it up there. And then the next Sunday, Pastor Mitch gives me his stuff to put up there. So I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah. And I kind of like stumbled. It kind of came organically. And um, next thing I know, I'm kind of like his right hand man. And um, even to this day, I still get his water out, get his towel out, make sure everything is, is good for him before he, before he preaches. Uh, but it was never like an official thing. It just kind of just happened. And through me being close to him, he kind of trusted me with um, being preaching and stuff. Yeah. Um, I believe that God, God uh, when there's a calling in your life, he'll put the right people in your life with the right connections. You won't have to force it. Um, I didn't have to, like, finesse or manipulate my way in. Um, but as you serve God or seek him first, God says, I'll bring the right connections. To yeah. I was I was looking for, I knew something great was on my life, but I did not know it would come from the church that I was going to come just from serving. Yeah. Um, sometimes we don't recognize the gifts that God has placed around us. God says, I, I place everything around you, around you that you need to be successful. You just have to plug in and serve. So if it's helping women down the steps, do it. Yeah. I had no idea that me helping women down the steps would turn into me actually preaching and, and doing all this, this other stuff. But um, that's kind of how that transpired. It wasn't like a, I think I'm going to go preach now. It was kind of, you just stumble into it. Yeah. I say stumble, but I think it was um, strictly or, ordained or orchestrated by God. Yeah, I think your steps were ordered as well. And this that's a great lesson, man, about serving. Because so many of the millennials and Gen Z, we want to be on the stage. But you got to serve, man. Yeah. Um, you got to serve. And that's I think there's so much we can take away from this conversation from serving, preparation, perseverance, being around the thing that you want to do because let's see let's even go back to the conversation about you playing basketball yeah. you were around it though yeah you stayed around it even if it, even if it was a low position and sometimes we don't want to you know if we can't have it i, can't I gotta guy, reject it if you i know? can't be the guy i'm not gonna be around it yeah and i think that's the, that's the problem with our culture now especially with social media mm -hmm. when you look at david right they anointed him to be king of israel but he went to the palace not as a king but as a servant that's right but that was God's way of getting him in the door because if he gets you in the door as a king, they'll destroy you. So he hides you through servitude. Um, a lot of times this culture now is like people frown upon being number two or not the guy. Uh, you know, there's power in being number two because you get to be prepared for being number one because you do not want to be number one without being prepared. I, I, I try to make a, uh, a comparison between Saul and David. If you look at the lives, when uh, the prophet told Saul that he was going to be the king of Israel, they put a crown on his head the same week. Yeah. When the prophet told David he was going to be king, 
he didn't accept the dean and king until 30 years later. Man, so 30 no, years, bro. Yeah, so it was no coincidence why Saul, why the hand of God was taken off of Saul so soon. Yeah. As opposed to when you see the life of David because he had went through a, a process of preparation. Right. Man, that's, bro, that's good. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't know the timeline in which David was, and King, but, bro, it's that's. almost like the next book, I think. First, I think it was Second Samuel, maybe the end of First Samuel. Man. By the time he actually becomes king. Um, I think a lot of times we allow disappointment along the way to keep us from getting it. Like, what if David would have been like, maybe I'm not going to be king? Because yeah. things, because watch this, he, he went to the palace as being a servant, then killed Goliath. Then getting kicked out of the palace because Saul wants to kill him. So now he's in a cave with these vagabond people. And then God takes him from there all the way to being the, the king of Israel. Man, that's good, man. Well, that's good. I'm just thinking about that. And, you know, because, you, you know, you desire to be that person. But you do got to pay your dues. Man. Yeah. You got to pay your dues. The way up is down. The way up is down. Everything in the kingdom works backwards. Yeah. It's so like, Lee, you gotta serve. Yeah, like that way. Like yeah. If you, you, know, you want more financially, you gotta give. That's good, man. Um, well, I mean, like I said, there's a lot we could take away yeah. from this conversation, man. Um, but I'll, let's get into the fun part. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Are, who are your top five influences? Top five influences, man. I don't. So I would go with my parents. Uh, my mom, spiritually, like she's one that really um, kind of kept me grounded. Like when I was in college, I would always call. Yeah. And she would always lead me back to the Bible. Um, so I think that's why now every problem I get, I think there's an answer in the Bible. Um, my dad was a big influence. My dad is extremely, um, extremely disciplined. Like if he yeah. says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Next would be, um, I don't like the name drop, but T I said TJ earlier. He was a, his ministry was a big influence on my life. Mm -hmm. um, I had the privilege of actually meeting him one time. But his ministry was really big on my life. Um, next would be, it's not a person, but I think the game of basketball is like one of the biggest impacts. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. But just like the, the, me playing and the principles I learned from the game um, have kind of helped me. And I, then I think fifth would be the school I went to. Um, it's a big influence of uh, Campbell University. And, or I could say Word of God, Christian Catholic too. I, I shout out to Word of God. That was a big influence. A lot of my friends come from the, uh, the high school that I went to or the college that I went to. So that that would be my top five. Mm -hmm. Another fun question: Who are your top five point guards? We got a point guard in here, so I gotta this ask him. Who are the top five point guards? Um, I gotta go with. I don't know if I can put this in order because Steph just won, so a lot of people are saying it's better than Magic now. But Magic Johnson, Steph Curry. Um, I'm gonna throw Chris Paul. Um, who else? I'm gonna throw AI. AI's a PG to me. He was six feet, so I gotta throw AI in there. That's four. Fifth one. Um, I know I'm leaving somebody out. I'm gonna just say Isaiah Thomas. He won back-to-back okay. -back championships in the '80s. Yeah, it's man, tough. that is tough, man. So glad I got to get you on yeah, this episode, man. man. And uh, I'll always, I always like to ask my guests. Give a leave and leave them a statement. Leave them a word of encouragement. What is something you got to tell them before you leave? Um, it's probably gonna sound cliche, but um, man, I don't want to say this. <laughs> just, 
just uh, never give up. If you if you feel like God has placed something down on the inside of you to accomplish, um, I believe God has equipped everyone with gifts to accomplish their purpose. You just have to be strong enough to find the gift A, and then B, have the patience to develop the gift uh, to get to the place. Um, I believe that you begin to serve Him and submit to Him. He'll place everything in place that you need to, uh, to get there. That's good, man. Never give up, um, guys. Y'all can. I'm going to put Josh's, all his social handles in the description of this pod. Tell them where they can find you at, though, bro. Uh, um, Instagram at joshua.crumpler. Uh, TikTok, just got on TikTok like a couple weeks ago, <laughs> at joshua.crumpler as well. Yep. All right. Y'all check him out on those platforms. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Josh, thanks My for God. coming on, man. Yes, all right. That's, that's a wrap, guys. That's a wrap.